For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706 on CJAD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, who's in for Josh tonight. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good, Good. to be back. It's our annual chat because Josh is off to Hong Kong soon. It is. So it's once a year I get to try and replace the uh, big booming voice of Mr. (laughs) Radio. So I will do my best to try and keep our listeners entertained. Excellent. And this evening our profile is Michael Seligman of Utex. We'll have Michael on in just a a few minutes because uh, usually at the start of the show we talk about uh, some entrepreneurial news. Uh, But off the top, um, we wanted to devote a bit of time to talk about leadership, Mike. And and maybe I'll just give the floor to you because you have a a bit of an interesting initiative when it comes to... uh, to leadership here in Montreal cooking, and uh, I'm pretty interested to hear more about it. Definitely. I'll save that for about a minute or two from now. I'm just going to go into kind of some of the impetus that, that brought around the whole objective. Uh, I think one of the things we see uh, and we have seen generationally is the loss of leaders uh, within our city for various reasons along the way, and I'm not going to get into a political debate on air, but uh, there's no doubt we have lost some you know, future leaders. Uh, I think part of the goal is to try and create an environment that is uh, is really fostering the leadership mentality. Uh, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, I'm, people will argue uh, that, you know, leaders are born and not made. Uh, I happen to subscribe to that theory. I think people, you'll notice those people that have been successful leaders have found their ways as coach of their hockey teams or, uh, it's not coach, sorry, captains of their hockey teams or their soccer teams. There's always been uh, a certain amount so I think that, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of times, and and uh, our guest, uh, Michael and I had this conversation earlier, that I think we find ourselves not sitting in a corporate environment that really fosters leadership. So in many cases, I think the role has to be on those business leaders within our community to step up to step up to the mic, I guess, uh, excuse the pun, in order to, to bring around leadership discussion. So one of the things uh, we've taken an opportunity to work with is uh, Mr. Anthony Calvillo, who we all know as... Uh, the probably the greatest quarterback in uh, probably in Montreal Alouettes history. Well, I say that because you know somewhere along the way, I'm sure there's a couple of old timers <laughs> that'll that, that, and I don't want them calling in on air for that. So, um, and and Anthony and and I have done a few initiatives together. We've worked on uh, Cedars Can support together. Uh, he did a presentation for us on our international group about two months ago, and we've kind of struck off this whole uh, need for leadership within the community. So. Anthony and I have put together uh, presentations, uh, leadership presentations or seminars or symposiums or whatever you'd like to call it, uh, with the goal at the end of the day to try and raise awareness for leadership uh, as well as trying to help foster and, and create a, create an ongoing environment that brings to, uh, whether it's existing senior leaders to recognize that they need to be addressing leadership issues with the young people that need to hone skills, uh, or whether it's the young people themselves that are they, you know want the support and want the idea. So we're going to we're we're starting uh, very shortly. As a matter of fact, we're putting all the pieces together. And over the next few months, uh, before uh, Mr. Carlville decides to jump back onto the field uh, with some uh, coaching initiatives, uh, to uh, to try and do something a little different, I guess, within the Montreal marketplace. So if anybody does have uh, any interest or there's anything, please uh, feel free. Uh, you can email me at mnewton, M-N-E-W-T-O-N, at 
flmontreal.com uh, and I can give you the layout of the program and what we're looking and trying to trying to accomplish. Excellent. I'm very excited to hear more about this as it develops. And uh, the thing about uh, about Anthony Calvillo that's so great, I mean, he's not just a quarterback, right? Because he's been involved in, him and his wife been, have been involved in so many charity activities in uh, in the Montreal area over the years. And, and to me, he is a real... Uh, a real example of proper leadership, someone who is disciplined, polite, you know, kind-hearted, uh, but at the same time has that vision and that, that ability to execute. Having, having spent time with him off the field, it amazes me that he was uh, as strong as he was on the field because he is just, he's a great gentleman, uh, mm-hmm. he's a great father, he's a great family man. Uh, and he really is an inspiration, uh, you know, off of the uh, the usual sports. Uh, you know, those of us that are sports junkies love to uh, love to put our athletes in high esteem, and in many cases, not warranted. Uh, certainly, what we see come out of the NFL and and, and all the stuff like that. But certainly, as far as as Anthony's con- concerned, he's a mensch, uh, you know, a gentleman who uh, you know I consider to be lucky to uh, to shake hands with and spend some time with. I want to share a story that I read about leadership today on Forbes.com, um, and this is kind of coming back to the the theme, and it's it's really interesting. Uh, the headline is, Leadership Experts Worry About Process, Leaders Worry About Results. So isn't that an interesting sort of disconnect there, because we're, we're all, we all sort of want to know that what's the magic secret to getting there, to being a good leader. Um, but really, uh, the the process is uh, is what I guess uh, the leaders are supposed to ask other people to do. Is, is is leadership really providing the structure to have others carry out the process for you? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of angles to it. One is that uh, try and ask people to define the dif- difference between management and administration. And in many cases, they'll use the two terms interchangeably. And the reality is, is they're not anywhere close to being the same thing. Uh, management is 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 a big picture. Uh, it is empowering and about using other uh, people in the grand scheme in order to, to accomplish a goal for the team. Whereas administration really is process driven, as, as you mentioned from that, from that Forbes article. So I think that's, you know, it, it's a very, uh, very easy mistake to make. Uh, but there is no doubt that I think the, the leadership, those that have succeeded in leadership have a few uh, uh common traits. One of them is there's no way you can do this without passion. And our guest will talk about that a bit later. I was the thing that struck me the most, I think, about our initial conversation was his passion associated with it. Uh, Execution. Um, I think the administrators put the process in place and the leaders end up making sure, as you said, the results and the execution gets done. And some mindfulness as well. I think you need to be able to uh, be able to see what's going on around you and tweak your environment based on the people you're talking to, where sadly procedure is really has no face to it. Procedure is paper and uh, management really takes into account people. Is leadership always democratic? Because there's one line in, in the Forbes article that I found was interesting, uh, you know, quoting a leadership guru saying, uh, did the leader arrive at his or her decision through a process that was democratic and positive and transparent? Because if so, then the organization will thrive. But is that necessarily true? Do all leaders need to uh, need to be democratic or is leadership sometimes being autocratic? Well, I think the uh, the definition by default. I don't think you. I don't believe you lead by committee, and I'm sure you can ask my partners, and tell, they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, I do believe that you need buy-in. I do believe that you need people to be contributing to the process and believe in what they're doing. But the reality is, most people do want to be led. Uh, and there's going to require somebody to stand up and take the ball 
Uh, you know, I've joked for years that the easiest job is leader of the opposition and the hardest job is being prime minister. Leader of the opposition, all I'm trying to do is poke holes, whereas the prime minister, I'm stuck with everything that's that, that's put out there. And I think that really falls to the same scenario from, from a leader perspective. I don't think you can have a true democratic process because I think you get caught up in procedure, you get caught up in uh, decision making, and you get caught up in, in, in buying for consensus. And uh, as much as politically it's the right thing to do, practically speaking, I don't think if you look at most of the most successful organizations that everything has been run by committee. One, uh, one uh, saying I want to throw by you, uh, the key to success is delegation. What do you think? Uh, yeah, certainly part of it. Uh, delegation, I think, is a harsh word. Uh, I think delegation sounds so negative as opposed to me doing, giving you something I don't want to do. Uh, though I do define management by getting people to do things uh, they didn't know they were doing without them actually knowing they're doing it. Hmm. So, but I think the the process is you do need to be able to empower those people below you, and that includes delegation. Though I don't think the pure definition is delegation. So, what do uh, what what should Quebec be doing to foster a bit of a better <coughs> climate for uh, for more young leaders? Well, I think the key obviously is making sure that we keep our young uh, potential leaders in this city around. I mean, it, there, there's no way that you can build a strong tax base and a future unless you have people that are willing to take the ball and run with it from a leadership perspective. So, it's very very uh, very frustrating to see uh, you know future leaders leaving for what they. Uh, perceived to be an injustice, whether it is or it isn't, is, you know, perception is in the eyes of the beholder, right, at the end of the day. So we need, as, as business leaders, we need to be stepping up to the plate to try and find a way to keep these people here, and whether that's being involved in the schools, whether that's being involved in the universities, uh, some kind of format of trying to push forward leadership and, and, and young growth is the only way a city is going to survive. All right, coming up on today's Entrepreneur, Michael Seligman uh, joins us, our profile of, uh, of an entrepreneur, and he's with Utex. And, uh, and Mike, do you want to give out your email address one more time? Because uh, hopefully there'll be news uh, about this leadership initiative with Anthony DeCalvillo soon, and hopefully you'll build that email list and uh, get people informed about it. You got it. M. Newton, M-N-E-W-T-O-N, at flmontreal.com. Thank you. Excellent. So Michael is next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 721 on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Mike Newton in for Josh Miller tonight. And let's introduce our guest this evening, Mike. He is uh, another Mike, Michael Seligman of Utex. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Dan. Nice to be here. Uh, welcome back to CJAD. Um, and first, uh, the easiest question of the evening will be, uh, what does Utex do? Tell us about uh, the warm and comfy uh, things that you guys make. Utex specializes in ladies' and men's down coats. And uh, we... Uh... We have a long-standing reputation for offering value to the consumer so that they're able to buy uh, an affordable coat that will keep them warm, that will be light, uh, so they can travel with it and uh, protect them against uh, our winters and wonderful weather systems. So, excuse the pun, but uh, let's get away from the warm and fuzzy conversation and go back to actually how this all started and how you got involved. Uh, maybe give us a little bit of your history before your UTEX history. Um, Okay. About 27 years ago, I accidentally got into this industry. Uh, a summer job uh, turned into a full-time uh, opportunity, and uh, I was involved in uh, textile importers and garment agencies and 
Uh, over about uh, the course of uh, 22 years, I evolved in my career uh, from different different places in the industry, which led up to Utex 10 years ago, uh, specializing in ladies' outerwear. So the move from Utex, uh, obviously, it, it for those of you that aren't aware, it had a previous life, if you will. Uh, and you were presented with an opportunity a few years ago. Maybe you can give our listeners an idea of uh, sure. how it came about and uh, how uh, how long you had to think about the exercise. Wow. Um, well, Utex, uh, as some people know, was founded in 1943 and was in its 68th year three years ago um, doing men's and ladies' outerwear and uh, men's suiting and sportswear, and I was managing the uh, ladies' outerwear division. And I was called into my boss's office one morning, and I was told the sad news that uh, the family was going to close down the business effective immediately in the middle of a season, or as spring the spring 12 season was about to begin in 2012. And uh, I, I thought for a few seconds about trying to process this information and thinking about uh, all the cargo that was leaving China or, or already arrived in Montreal and all the suppliers that uh, had fulfilled their orders and shipped to us and all the customers that were expecting their uh, merchandise to arrive and go on the retail floor uh, throughout North America. And uh, and the work that, that we had already done on the, the next season, fall 2012, and I I said, you know, uh, I'd really like to find a way of continuing this business. There's a business, and, uh, and with your blessings, I would like to uh, have an opportunity to keep it going if possible. So, uh, so I, I, I basically just reacted on the spot, and, uh, but and those, those were the words that came out. And, but you bit off more than uh, just the Utex brand at that point. We, we were dealing with uh, all brands, uh, all letterware brands of the company at that moment uh, in January of 2012. Uh, all the licensed brands, and uh, whether it was men's or ladies, uh, th- there, was, there was a continuity and a reputation that needed to be protected. And I thought about that immediate moment in the season, and I thought about the future and continuing going on with this business strictly in ladies' outerwear, but having the uh, Utex name uh, protected as as it always uh, was well-respected for all of those 68 years. And uh, and it was very important to me to uh, make the suppliers whole and deliver you know the, the product that was promised to the retailers. Michael Seligman of Utex, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. More after the break at 725. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 728 in studio with us, Michael Seligman of Utex. And a pretty interesting story, Michael. I mean, you really decided to take over this business on the spot, which is so cool. Um, When you were taking it back to that moment when you're in the room, your boss has announced uh, that this company uh, is going to be shut down, and you say, no, wait, hang on a second, there's an opportunity here. Uh, Were you confident in that spontaneous decision the entire time, or uh, did you second-guess yourself later on? I was confident because I had already been uh, having discussions with a very close friend of mine, Uh, who's an investment banker, and we had been working for about 24 months to look at investing in a company where he would provide the capital and I would provide the uh, management and operations, and uh, nothing ever came about uh, until that time. And uh, really knowing that I had that support gave me the confidence in the room with my boss that day. So... 
And so did uh, you were looking for sort of any business to get involved in? And then this was a did this come as a total shock to you or did you suspect that maybe uh, maybe this would eventually be the one? I, I never expected that Utex would uh, would close or change in any way. And uh, I, I wanted to stay in my field uh, where I had the most experience. Uh, but we were open-minded to looking at any kind of a business that I would do hand-in-hand hand with my so-called day job. And I was torn. One of the reasons I never I never made a move was because I didn't want to give up working at Utex. More with Michael Seligman in a moment. We'll talk about uh, the various brands that he manages and, of course, going from employee to employer. Uh, that's on the way on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 736, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, who's in for Josh Miller this week. And uh, our guest this evening is Michael Seligman of Utex. And we were talking about Michael's story, which is uh, which is kind of interesting, just spontaneous. The company was uh, was going to, uh, to stop operations. He just jumped in there uh, while he was being told of this by his bosses and said, no, you know what? I'm going to take over. I find it very interesting because obviously there's a lot more to that story that we don't have time to, to really get into everything. But I think the, the key aspect from the conversations I had earlier with Michael really revolved around uh, this whole discussion of brand management. Uh, I think a lot of people do not recognize the amount of time and effort that goes into managing a brand. Uh, I think, Michael, maybe if you give us a, a little bit of insight into what you initially started with, uh, what you pared it down to, and then how you've kind of uh, grown it from there. Yeah, sure. At the time, uh, we were managing about five different ladies' outerwear brands, and uh, those were all under licensing agreements. And uh, basically, we would we would be responsible to go out and travel the world and bring back a product and design and uh, put a collection together, sell it to our retail-based customers in North America. And uh, we were basically paying a royalty to, to these licensors and... Uh, when when I had the opportunity to take that step forwards, I wanted to to maintain the reputation of the corporation and and deliver that whole season, and then move forwards with the house brand rather than uh, which is Utex Ladies rather than uh, going after other licensing agreements. And I wanted to focus all of our energies in making Utex a household name again, where it, where it was for many 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 decades. And uh, and I think that. Uh, We've we've achieved some of that, and we're on our way towards uh, future growth and uh, and and having that product n known for its name. I think uh, obviously the fashion industry are only as good as your last season. Uh, you made a comment that uh, when you had taken this over, you couldn't afford to not have the Utex name on the floor for the upcoming season. So you, I think you did just about anything and everything possible to make sure that you carried that line, even yeah. if even if you weren't maybe a hundred percent prepared. Uh, definitely, uh, we you can, you just can't lose real estate if you if you give up uh, uh, budget and dollars and rack space in a in a department store or boutique, uh, and the consumer comes in and doesn't see you one season, they're going to choose something else and forget about you next season. You can't exit and re-enter. Um, 
that smoothly. It's, it's, it's very difficult to regain the consumer's trust. And we did have to get involved in delivering a lot of product that we knew we wouldn't have any future with, but again, doing it all to protect the reputation. And that was, uh, as I mentioned, extremely important to us because it was all under the Utex Corporation umbrella. You also made a move to go to one season instead of two. Right. Um, the you know w- we have uh, what's called a spring summer season and a fall winter season. Utex has always been known for uh, its uh, uh, vision and uh, industry leadership in the down coat product, and uh, that's that's really a fourth quarter uh, cold weather um, seasonal type of a product compared to light rain jackets and trench coats and anoraks which are very price sensitive and have a much shorter selling window uh, of literally only a few weeks compared to several months. And uh, it just wasn't profitable or worth the investment to continue making a whole collection, traveling the world. And, you know, uh, when you have a 90-10 volume split, 90% winter and 10% spring, it really, we just wanted to focus our energies on our best season. So needless to say, while well, I cussed and sweared my way through the streets of Montreal last week with all that snow, you were uh, tap dancing at your office. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, maybe give us a bit of an insight in terms of building uh, a line. Uh, how far in advance, obviously, if you're working on one season, uh, you're working year-round on one season. What kind of time frame, what kind of travel, what kind of energy goes into building a line for one season? A lot does. We start 12 months in advance, meaning uh, just after Labor Day in September, we'll travel to Europe, meaning myself and a designer or merchandiser, and we'll shop at least three different cities. Uh, could be a London, Munich, Paris. Uh, you know, so you're, you're flying overseas, arriving uh, on, a, on a workday morning, ready to hit the stores as soon as they open after a night on the plane. And you spend probably a couple of days, sometimes only one day in the city, shopping the stores, looking for uh, trends and uh, analyzing fabrications, colors, silhouettes, furs, etc. And uh, buying samples. And uh, they're very expensive and it takes a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of bright decision making to make sure that once you're investing in these samples that you bring back the right ones. And once you've uh, once you've done Europe once or twice per season, because there are situations where we go back a second time uh, just to see how the market has uh, evolved and updated itself about a month or six weeks later, we then uh, put together sketches and uh, do our product development and merchandise, taking the styles uh, from the European retail stores into what we would present as a uh, Utex ladies uh, collection, meaning meaning we do get inspired from uh, from some of this product, but we also do have our runners and bestsellers that we translate the European fashion into. And uh, from there, we go to China to make the samples, and that requires a lot of uh, technical uh expertise and uh, coming back ultimately to the showroom and presenting these uh, finished samples with our labels and branded logos uh, and hang tags on them in, in front of a retail buyer. Uh, and, you know, basically that's called a preview and we get their, their first reactions on it and then have to go back and do it again a few weeks later just to allow them the opportunity to shop the market and, uh, and come to uh, the decisions that they need to make as buyers. So that's the sourcing of the product. That's getting the product here. Now you got to sell it. Next week, I understand you're off to New York for Market Week. Right. There's a big uh, Winter Market Week next week, and I'll be down there for three days seeing customers in our New York showroom. 
and uh, it's very exciting to have them come from all over the uh, U.S., and New York's the big uh, meeting spot for doing that, and uh, we'll ship all of our samples down to our showroom, and we'll do the same thing down there as what we do up here, and, uh, and meet all of our uh, American retailers and some European who fly in for the week. Are you still doing trade shows? Are you still doing the magic show in Vegas? Are you still doing a lot of these? Uh, I understand a lot of people are cutting them out very costly. Nobody's writing at these shows, and it's more about a network and a social event. It is. I find it very important to go, especially to the February Magic, because that's uh, that's the fall-winter show. And uh, we do have the opportunity to see our retail buyers and their bosses. A lot of the VPs and uh, general merchandise managers will be walking the show and, of course, having appointments at certain booths to see uh, some of their vendors. But just, just by being there and having the exposure to those those buyers and uh, and the whole industry who's really out there to show what they've got for the upcoming season is very important. And, and you have to be in the know. You have to be uh, you have to be at uh, a bunch of these events to to know what's going on and see what your buyers are seeing and let them know and let them see you there. But you're not setting up. Booth. No, we don't. Uh, we don't uh, take a booth of our own or uh, display or or present at these types of trade shows. No. And in terms of uh, marketing, how much energy do you, do, you, do you put in these trade shows versus perhaps other forms of marketing? To, can you describe what your, what your mix is like? Um, marketing really is basically phone calls and emails and uh, networking and seeing people and off, you know, uh, if, if people are available to have a coffee or, or a dinner and just really catching up with them and letting, letting them know that, uh, you know, you're on the pulse of the business, that you're on trend, that you're off to Europe, you're off to China, that you're bouncing around from uh, showroom to showroom and, you know, that, that you're important, that you're on top of what you do in the market. And that's, that's really, that's really the best kind of marketing. It's not about uh, uh, putting up billboards or, or television commercials. It's about being in touch with the people that you do business with and, uh, and being on top of your game. Michael Seligman from Utex, our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. And uh, Michael, after the break, we'll uh, bring in Ernie Furt to the conversation. And Ernie will help us out with uh, some year-end tax planning, so that should be uh, uh, pretty helpful. And Ernie's on the way, but first, 745. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 750, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, in for Josh Miller tonight. We have Michael Seligman in studio, our profile for this evening of Utex, and we'll also bring in Ernie Furt, tax partner at, uh, at Fuller Landau. Uh, welcome back, Ernie. Thank you. Now, uh, I feel like I just finished filing my taxes, but I guess I guess it's time to, to start planning the year end. Um, so for both personal and uh, and for corporate, if this happens to be your year end, uh, perhaps we should, we should start with the individuals because it's getting, we should start putting it in the back of our head, perhaps. December's coming along. And... December's coming along. There's a lot of people who haven't done certain things. They haven't gone to visit their dentist. They, they haven't gone to visit their, their, their eye doctor. And these are medical expenses that could be claimed on their tax return. So if you need to make these appointments, do so before everybody goes on vacation in the month of December. Uh, also, you can make your donations. If you recall, uh, back in August, everybody was doing the Ice Bucket Challenge for ALS. Mm -hmm. Did everybody make those donations? I hope so. And if you made donation commitments, pay them. You know, So you get your donations, and you get your donation credits when it comes tax time. Another easy way of doing those, uh, those donation pledges are you can donate your securities that have appreciated in value, and you can get rid of that capital gain by doing so. These are some of the small things that you can do. So certain things, if you need money 
and you have and you have some funds in an RRSP or in a TFSA, and you really need to take that money out, maybe you should pull it out of the TFSA. And if you're going to pull it out, pull it out in December, not in January, because you'll get refreshed TFSA, TFSA room in, in January. The RRSP will be taxable to you, so it's not a good idea to do that. You want to do R, RESP contributions for your kids. You could also be nearing the age of 71. If you're turning 71 this year, uh, you must remove your RRSP by the end of December. So there are certain planning maneuvers that you could do in that regard. Uh, also, if you had a lot of capital gains during the year, both for individuals and corporations, you can consider selling some of your losers to mitigate the the tax bite on, on those capital gains. And uh, shall we move over to corporations? Well, corporations, there's certain things that you can do, uh, which is you can purchase certain assets before year end uh, in, in order to benefit from the depreciation. Uh, we're also coming around to the holiday season. So corporations think of how can I give my, uh, employees Christmas gifts or, or holiday gifts without really causing them any, uh, any tax. So you can gift, give them stuff. You can go out, you can buy them a stereo system and you could buy them all kinds of stuff. And as long as it's under 500 bucks, it's not going to be taxable to employ to the employee, but it'll be deductible to you. But don't be lazy in that regard. You can't go and say, well, here's the cash equivalent to that, or here's a gift card. Gift cards work well uh, for Quebec purposes, but they don't work for federal purposes. So go out and actually purchase the stuff, and you'll be okay in that in that regard. Make sure you made all your installments on the corporate side. Pay, the, uh, pay everything down. Take a look at your investment renewal options, you know, just to accelerate or decelerate certain payments that you want to do. Uh, there are certain assets that you buy for a corporation that will give you a Quebec tax credit. Look at buying those assets. Mm -hmm. These are some basic techniques. Also be organized. I noticed over the past couple of years in terms of donation receipts, I receive a lot of donation receipts by email. Question is, how many people have a little file in their computer called donations? Oh, we have two hands up in the, yeah, in the studio. Yeah, not three, unfortunately. Not three. <laughs> well, two out of three ain't bad. I heard that once before. So you basically take that little file, make mm -hmm. you create your file, and put in all those donation receipts in there. So when, when it comes to tax time, you have a record of that. This is essential. Record keeping is important because you've incurred the expenses. So at the end of the year, you want to make sure you aggregate them and give them over to your accountant so they can prepare your tax return in the best, in the best way possible. As Josh knows, my year end is just scrambling a bunch of uh, receipts and invoices together and handing them all over to my accountant. But I'm I'm improving. As well, long as you have a box, <laughs> there's definitely a box. Yes. Okay, as long or as there's a envelope. box or some folder yeah. that has a you know you know eventually it will get you an alphabetic folder. You can do that. So <laughs> step by step, Dan. Now, uh, were there any considerations? By the way, I remember you saying this last year when it comes to office Christmas parties. Oh well, office Christmas parties. Generally speaking, on what an office they haven't changed this rule for eons. Uh, you can incur uh, an office Christmas party. You can incur up to a hundred dollars a head to have an office Christmas party without incurring any taxable benefits for the employee. Anything over a hundred dollars a head gives you that little portion of a taxable benefit. And for GST purposes, uh, and QST purposes for the employers, they can claim a hundred percent of the GST and QST paid on that Christmas party as opposed to a 50 percenter because everybody in the organization is invited. All right. Thanks, Ernie. Michael Seligman has his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. That's next. 
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. And remaining time, Ernie Furtis here, tax partner at Fuller Landau. Don't forget your year ends, everyone, and your uh, Christmas bonuses and your uh, party situations. 100 bucks, Max? 100 bucks. Yep, yeah, before they start getting at you. Okay, perfect. And Michael Seligman from Utex, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. Uh, Mike Newton in for Josh Miller. Uh, so, very interesting story, especially how, how Michael came to sort of uh, uh, come into this this business as an owner. It's a bit bit of a different scenario. It is. It's, it's nice to see what was uh, probably going to be another sad Montreal re- uh, retail, uh, not retail, sorry. Um, um, Schmutter business. Schmutter business. Yeah. I was trying to find the right word there. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, story, it's turned it into something very positive. Michael walked into my office before and, you know, you can see right away from his enthusiasm and his passion and what he's doing that uh, he really enjoys what he's doing. Uh, and a couple of good things. You're you're moving into the U.S. Uh, more and more. I think you're you're looking at a nice big uh, uh, increase there. And uh, I think the most important thing right now is you're going to see a kids line coming forward in 2015. So uh, yeah, we're looking on that, forward to that. On that note, uh, what's the one piece of advice you'd give? Uh, it's it's very simple. Just be ready and willing to do absolutely anything that's required to make anything happen. All right. Short and sweet. We like it. Thanks very much, Michael. Uh, Michael Seligman of Utex. And uh, best of luck. Thanks for dropping by tonight on today's Entrepreneur.